when the church of Corinth were practicing or was practicing their Lord's Supper, the Apostle Paul corrected them for the practice or the trap of some believers in the church to humiliate others. Uh, the church in Corinth, when they were taking the Lord's Supper, uh, they were also practicing potluck together. And some people, those who had more means, would bring food to eat early. And those who had n- no food, who were impoverished, uh, would come with nothing. And the Apostle Paul corrected the church in Corinth and said to them in 1 Corinthians 11, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. He says, what, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? How sad that at the Lord's table in the, in the church in Corinth, the, the table that was supposed to gather people together and for them to act like, like one body, that they belong together, they were actually falling in the trap of humiliating one another. Pride takes all sorts of forms in the life of a church. And it can show up even in the practice of the Lord's Supper as we have just heard in the book of in, in 1 Corinthians. One pastor friend of mine uh, uh, from uh, New England, uh, Eric Raymond, a brother who is a faithful shepherd, Pastor Taylor uh, Deeker knows him as well, uh, said the following. He said, made a statement once, pride runs through the church. Pride runs through the church. And he gave a, a beautiful picture, a, a really good picture to to make that point. He said, like a tornado in small Midwestern towns, it leaves only destruction in its wake. We see broken marriages, disunity among members and elders, apostasy, and a host of stomach-turning realities. Pride runs through the church. C.S. Lewis once said in his well-known book, Mere Christianity, if you want to find out how proud you are, the easiest way is to ask yourself, how much do I dislike it when other people snub me or refuse to take any notice of me or shove their oar in and patronize me or show off. The point is that each person's pride is in competition with everyone else's pride. It's because I wanted to be the big noise at the party that I am so annoyed at someone else being the big noise. This morning, we want to look at a theme that is opposing the tendency that is natural in each and every one of us uh, to walk in pride. We want to look at the opposing calling that God gives to his church, and that is to walk with humility. 
And I invite you to open God's Word this morning to two passages. Uh, two passages of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll be reading uh, from verse 1. And for the sake of context, we're actually going to read all the way to verse 6. Ephesians, I'm sorry, 4, chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. And then Ephesians, and then the book of 1 Peter, we'll be reading from chapter 5, verse 5 to verse 7. As you're turning to these <clears throat> passages, just a reminder that we um, are in between sermon series. Uh, we have finished, I have finished the book of uh, 1 Samuel uh, a few months ago. And before we are embarking, embarking in the book of Galatians, which will be in September, we are continuing a series of topical messages that help us think through how to relate to one another in the body of Christ. Uh, before I left on the trip, we covered three of those themes, uh, to walk in wisdom, uh, to walk in love, and to walk with a trained conscience. And today and for the next few weeks, we'll be looking at a few more how to relate to one another in the body of Christ. And this morning, we are looking at the theme of walking in humility. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. The word of the Lord says the following. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's turn to First Peter chapter 5. We're reading from verse 5 to verse 7. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Amen. Would you join me in prayer, asking God to bless the preaching of his word for our hearts? Let's pray. Gracious Father, as we have opened your word and as we stand ready to hear it proclaimed, I ask for grace to help me to make it known and proclaimed in your power with your clarity. And I ask for grace that you would give us the ability to hear it well for our strength, for our comfort, for our correction, for our growth in humility. And for your glory we pray. In the name of Christ, amen. What both of these messages, texts, communicate, the message that they give to us this morning is one simple sentence. And this may be the, the main point, the main, main way to summarize the passages we have just read together. And that is the followers of Christ walk with others in humility. Followers of Christ walk with others in humility. 
We don't walk alone. We don't follow Christ as lone rangers, everybody on their own uh, agenda. But we walk with others. But we don't walk in any way. We walk in humility. If you like taking notes, uh, the message this morning will be uh, structured or divided up in three questions. We will look at what is humility. What is humility? Why should we walk in humility? Why should we walk in humility? And then how should we walk in humility? How should we walk in humility? The what, the why, and the how of humility. What is humility? When you think of of this concept, of this word, humility, what comes to your mind? I asked a few folks this week without telling them why I'm asking. And uh, some have said the following. Humility is someone who listens. Someone who listens. Humility, they said, is someone who does not judge prematurely. Someone who is not pretentious. Someone who is not arrogant. It's easy to say what humility is by saying what it is not, isn't it? But what is humility? In the Bible, the the word for humility has several facets, several meanings. It's used in, in different ways. It's often used with the meaning of poor, needy lowly, even oppressed. These words uh, describe people who are at the bottom of society. Because humility was often associated with being lowly or needy, in the ancient Greco-Roman culture, humility was not considered a virtue but a sign of weakness. It was even considered by some to be a a character flaw. Yet the Bible speaks of humility as an essential quality that people should have before God, vertically, and before people, horizontally. When it comes to humility, Our humility towards God is is manifested through a willingness to see on one side our lowliness and His majesty on the other side. To recognize that we are not the big shot in this world, but that God is. To recognize that the spotlight should not be on us, but on Him. The one who made all things, the one who is in all things, the one who governs all things. And when we recognize our lowliness and recognize his majesty, we would joyfully do what he says instead of preparing our own ways. Humility leads to this posture of obedience because that we, we are the we are the lowly, 
We are, we are the servants. He is the master. That's why humility, if we were to put a picture to it, humility is taking the posture of a servant. Humility is taking the posture of a servant. No matter what role you have, no matter what authority you have, no matter what importance you think you have. Am I expecting God to serve me or me to serve God? Am I expecting others to serve me or me to serve them? So what is humility? Humility at its core is the posture of the heart and the mind that is willing to bend low before God and others. Willing to bend low before God and others. No matter what your job title is. No matter what your accomplishments are. Psalm 51.17 says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. In other words, even in the Old Testament, we read that God preferred not so much the sacrifices of killed animals, but the sacrifices of a broken spirit, of a lowly spirit. It was easy to kill an animal if you were a Jew in the Old Testament times in worship. It was easy to kill an animal. It's much more difficult to break our hearts before God. And this is humility, the posture of the heart and the mind, to be willing to bend low before God and others. And friends, it's easier to engage in external religious performance, to do things outwardly that even seem lowly. It's much more difficult to actually Bend our hearts before God. Last week, Pastor Taylor, um, as he is working through the Sermon on the Mount, got to the place in the Sermon on the Mount of preaching on, on fasting. And uh, if you're not here with us last Sunday, I encourage you to go to our, our website and listen to that Sermon on Fasting. It was a wonderful message. Um, in the Bible, fasting was designed by God to be a means of humbling oneself before God. Yet, as we have heard last week, even the posture, even the, the outward manifestation of a religious act, such as fasting, even that can actually be done in a means by which those who fast exalt themselves. They do it in order to attract attention to themselves. And this, is the, this is shows the wickedness of the human heart that we can use acts that were aimed and designed by God to humble us as means for self-exaltation. We want to watch against the trap of taking pride even in how lowly we appear. Because even in wanting to appear lowly, our hearts on the inside can actually seek the attention of others. It's not just about what we do in the externals 
And that's why it's much more difficult to come before God with a contrite heart, with a low, broken heart, not just with externals that appear lowly. Humility is a posture of the heart and the mind that is willing to bend low before God and others. Now, why should we walk in humility? Why? Well, in the passages we have read from Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 5, we see five motivations, five reasons why we should consider walking in humility. If you have your text open to Ephesians 4, we look at a few reasons from Ephesians 4 and then we'll move to 1 Peter 5. In Ephesians 4, we see a first motivation why we should want to walk in humility. It's how we walk worthy of our salvation reason we should walk in humility is because it's how we walk worthy of our salvation. Paul says, I urge you therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then he goes on to say, with all humility and gentleness. The calling that God has given us is a calling to salvation. It's a calling that that we have received through the sacrifice of Christ. And the first reflection of that calling, to walk worthy of that calling, is humility. Have you considered that humility is not merely a virtue? But it's a first reflection of walking worthy of the salvation that God has given us. Now, you may wonder, say, what does salvation have to do with my humility? Why, why are we called to walk worthy of salvation by, first of all, walking in humility? Salvation and humility, our salvation and our humility have everything to do with one another. When, when the eternal Son of God took on human flesh, the one who was enthroned in majesty, when he decided, when he decided to come down and take upon himself human flesh, to come to the lowly parts of creation, to come to be a part of us, to walk like us, to take on human flesh, a flesh flesh made of dust. Friends, his very incarnation was an act of humility, the lofty one coming down to dust. The eternal one would take on human flesh and begin experiencing human limitations. The one without limits, beginning to experience hunger and tiredness and human weakness and then human limitations and humility. In order to make possible for our salvation, Jesus experienced the greatest act of humility not only to become a human like us, but he actually obeyed God the Father with perfect obedience such that he gave his own body to be crucified, to be killed. And the Apostle Paul says of Jesus in Philippians 2.8, being found in human form, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Uh, The salvation that we Christians proclaim 
and experience would have not been possible if the eternal Son of God would have not humbled himself for us. Becoming obedient to the point of death. Oh, friends, the humility of Christ was seen through the absolute obedience of Christ to the points of his self-sacrificial death. And without the absolute humility of the eternal Son of God, you and I could not have salvation. You and I would not be saved. Without the absolute humility of the Son of God, we would have no salvation to proclaim or to cling to. John Stott, famous theologian, said, far from offering us flattery, the cross undermines our self-righteousness and we can stand before it only with a bowed head and a broken spirit. Why should Christians walk in humility? Because it's how we walk worthy of our salvation. How foolish of us to imagine or to think that we can walk worthy of our salvation apart from humility. How foolish of us to think that we can walk worthy of our salvation not thinking about humility, ignoring the call to walk in humility. Why should we walk worthy? Uh, why should we walk in humility? Not only because it's worthy of our calling, but it's also how we foster unity in the body of Christ. If we keep reading Ephesians chapter 4, uh, from verse 3 on to following to the rest of the chapter, the Apostle Paul speaks about the unity of the body of Christ. In, in verse 3, he says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then in verse 4, Paul speaks of the oneness of the body of Christ, the oneness of the Spirit, the oneness of the Lord, the oneness of our faith. We are to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit to the bond of peace. But how do we do that? It starts with humility. Have you noticed that lack of humility breeds conflict? Lack of humility breeds competition. Lack of humility breeds boasting. Lack of humility breeds disunity. It happens in families. It happens among husbands and wives. It happens in the workplace. It happens in the church. It happens in society. It happens in sports. Some sports teams may have some really big, well-known players who are really good but if those players seek to play by themselves, just trying to draw attention to themselves and just keep the ball to themselves, they may have some great shots once in a while, but those teams made up of such players are bound not to succeed. Why? Because instead of trying to bring the spotlight on themselves, the players who actually defer to one another and play in such a way that they pass to each other well, they actually have a better chance of winning than the teams that have the big shot names who just play for themselves. Friends, it happens all over creation. When we seek to draw attention to ourselves, we, we don't foster unity. We foster competition, disunity, and brokenness. And the same happens in the body of Christ. It's not about us as individuals. 
It's not only being concerned with ourselves, but being concerned with others. Humility fosters unity in the, bo- in the body of Christ. So why walk in unity? Because it fosters humility. It fosters unity in the body of Christ. But it's also how the body grows. Another motivation we see here in, first, in Ephesians 4 is that we need humility because it's how the body grows. In the wider context of Ephesians 4, the first half of the chapter builds a case for not only for the unity of the body of Christ, but for the growth of the body of Christ. And that body of Christ is manifested in the local church. In verses 1 through 16, Paul speaks of the various key elements that God uses and gives for the growth of the body of Christ. Now, what would you say are essential for the growth of the body of Christ? You might say things like evangelism. You might say things like uh, good teaching in the church. You might say things like outreach. These are good things that we need for the growth of the body. We should give ourselves to these. But have you considered that the first element in this list of what's essential for, for the growing in the body of Christ is actually humility? Humility fosters the unity which makes possible the growth in the body of Christ. How can you contribute to the growth of the body of Christ? There are several ways, but one of them is unity. One of them is humility. To be humble is to build towards unity, and to build towards unity is to build towards growth. Uh, you and I can contribute to the, to the body of Christ, to the growth of the body, when we put on the posture of humble servants. Now, these are some of the reasons we see in Ephesians 4, but there are more reasons we get from 1 Peter 5. If you turn to 1 Peter 5, we see two more reasons why we should walk in humility. Peter says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Why? For God opposes the proud. Notice that humility is shown here not only towards God vertically, but we are called to show humility towards one another. And why is it that God calls us to show humility towards one another? uh, Horizontally. Because if we don't, God opposes the proud. Friends, have you considered that the way you treat each other, the the way we treat one another, can invite the opposition of God against us? If we treat one another with lack of humility... When we choose to treat each other in anything but humility, we reveal our proud hearts, and God opposes the proud. You can't say, I am humble towards God, but in your interactions with others, you are not showing humility to your brothers and sisters. If you are not walking in humility towards your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are proud. no matter how humble you think you are before God. And God will oppose you for the way you treat your brothers and sisters. Vertical humility 
and horizontal humility are linked together. God cares about how you treat your brothers and sisters in Christ and whether or not you show humility towards others. So why should we walk in humility? Because God will oppose you if you don't. Plain and simple. And that there's a final positive reason, though. It's not simply a, a warning. Walk in humility because God will oppose you. There's a positive reason as well. And this is a, the last reason we see here in these texts why we should walk in humility. Because God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. He not only opposes the proud, he gives grace to the humble. That's what we see in 1 Peter 5, 5. When you treat others in humility, it's not simply that you avoid God opposing you, but you invite more of his grace. This same principle was given to us in Proverbs 3, 34. To the humble, he gives favor. How amazing to hear that the Lord promises increased favor upon those who choose the path of emptying themselves. And this is the, the amazing rationale of the logic of God. You want more favor? There's two ways to get it. You can try to get it on your own. You can try to protect it. You can try to build it up on your own. You can try to get others to, to give you the favor. You can work hard at making others feel and know that you are important. And you may fool some people, getting them to think that you are it. There's a way to get favor, by grabbing it. There's another way to get favor, by letting go of yourself, emptying yourself, taking the posture of a servant. And the promise God gives is, those who do that, God, to them, God will give more grace. Parents, do you remember the moments, whether you've been a parent a long time ago or if you don't have kids, you're still, young, you're still a, a single person, but you remember perhaps and, or you know about other kids, when, when small children want something from their siblings and uh, the parent might say, dear, would you share those cookies or those that candy with your, with your brother and sister? Would you share with them? And like, No, no, I don't want to share. Mommy will give you more. Just share. No, I don't want to share. I'll give you more. Will you just share? And it's so hard for us to let go of that which we can touch with our hands in the moment. But God's logic for us is as we give of ourselves... He promises to give us more grace as we empty ourselves. It's, it's an unintuitive logic to us because we want to hold on to, to what we can grasp with our own hands. But God gives grace to the humble. When we act in pride towards others, we act selfishly, wanting to keep what is ours. The attention, the control, the power, the comfort. Instead, when we act in humility towards others, we don't hold the focus on ourselves. We're not concerned of how or what, to what degree we were able to get the attention of others. We focus on others, and the, prom the Lord promises to give us more grace. When we act in humility towards others, the Lord does not shortchange us, but promises us 
more grace and favor. These are reasons why we should act in humility. We should walk in humility. But, why, but, but how? We've looked at the why, but how? How do we walk in humility? First of all, we walk in humility by humbling ourselves before God. We walk in humility with others by humbling ourselves before God. And this is Peter's point here in 1 Peter 5, verse 6. It's impossible to walk in humility with others if we don't, first of all, humble ourselves before the Lord. Surprisingly, one of the ways we humble ourselves before the Lord is through prayer. It's through prayer. If we keep our burdens to ourselves and do not cast them upon the Lord, it reveals pride in our own hearts to think that we can handle our burdens by ourselves. Lack of humility before God makes you act as if you don't need Him. And when we act humbly with God, that humility shows itself before the Lord by particularly coming with our burdens to Him in prayer. One of the characteristics of lack of humility before God is lack of prayer. So let me ask you, how are you doing in your prayer life? Is it possible that the lack of prayer in our lives is a sign not merely simply of, of busy schedules, but could it be that lack of prayer in our lives could be a sign of lack of humility before God. Prayer in our personal lives and in our life together as a church. This is why we want to encourage you to develop regular rhythms of prayer in your life, personally. And we want to encourage you to develop a regular rhythm of prayer in our life together as a church. This is why we want to encourage one another to, to come to Sunday evening prayer services, to gather together as a congregation to seek the Lord in, in prayerful dependence on the Lord. When we do so, we, we cultivate a, prayer, a spirit of humility before the Lord as a congregation. So we, we walk in humility with others by cultivating our humility before the Lord, first and foremost. But then, we walk in humility with others by showing our need for one another. By showing our need for one another. Pride leads us to think that we can do it by ourselves, both in regards toward God, but also towards each other. An important part of our humility towards each other is to recognize that we were never meant to do it alone. God never designed us to walk this life of a Christian alone. And just as humility shows our dependence on the Lord, showing our need for the Lord, our humility before others is shown by showing that we need each other. God designed us to be connected to one another. God designed us to contribute to the growth of the others. And God designed others to contribute to the growth of our own lives. Thinking that you are fine without connecting to the body of Christ is prideful. Thinking that you are fine without connecting to the body of Christ is prideful. And here we stand 
18, 16 months after the pandemic have started, we're still struggling with the challenge of getting together. And I understand it's, there's health concerns, but I want to make sure that our hearts are not embracing somehow or giving into this, this subtle thought that we are fine without the others. Walk in humility by committing to each other. It takes a great deal of, of humility to commit to others. If you're visiting with us and you are a Christian, we're so glad you're with us. Uh, we hope that the Lord leads you to commit to a body of Christ, a local manifestation, a local church of the body of Christ somewhere in the city. Especially students who are coming to start UT in the fall, don't think that you can just do it by yourself. It takes humility to recognize that God designed you to be in communion with others and that you do not have it in yourself to be alone and grow alone in Christ. You need others. So I want to encourage you to consider committing yourself to the body of Christ, whether it is here in this church or in other gospel faithful churches in our city. By God's grace, there are several good churches in our city. And if you want to check out some more, I would love to tell you about them. Come and, che and, and check them out. But consider the reality that we need to commit one another to the body of Christ, and that is an act of humility. Do you try to live your Christian life as if, as if you don't need other Christians around you? That's not humility. That's pride. Uh, humility towards others shows itself through willingness to gather together, to reach out to each other, to find how one another is doing and how we can serve others. Remember, humility is taking the posture of a servant in our relationship to God and to one another. How can you serve others? How can you take that posture of humility, of service, and, and do it well if you're not willing to gather, if you're not willing to know what's happening in people's lives, if you're not willing to understand of their challenges? How can you live that posture of a servant if you're not even willing to come into their presence? It's hard to be a servant of others if you're not interested to gather with others, to live life with others, and be committed to them. Walk in humility with others is manifested in another way also. Not only to, to, to recognize your need of others, but walk in humility with others by being open with your weaknesses. Oh my goodness. It takes a great deal of humility to be vulnerable with each other. It takes a great deal of humility to be vulnerable with each other. A proud person always seeks to hide his blemishes. Either because he does not want to look for them and he doesn't think he has them. Or if he knows he has them, he doesn't want other people to know he has them. Humility means that we are not afraid to show each other that we don't have it all together. That we need their prayers, their support, their accountability to help us walk with Christ. When was the last time you have confessed a weakness that you have and confessed it to another brother or sister in Christ? Not when they saw it and they brought it up to you, 
But when you took the initiative to bring it up, even if they didn't bring it up to you. Friends, one of the ways to clothe ourselves with humility is to be transparent with our failures. To be open with each other about what's going on in our lives. Are you afraid that if you're open to others about your weaknesses, that they will treat you differently or look at you differently? I believe that fear because I have it too. It's very common for us to be afraid. If I say this, how will they look at me? Friends, is it perhaps that you have that fear because you're afraid to look lowly to others? Consider. Consider what keeps you and I to be more open to share our weak spots, our weaknesses with others for the sake of asking prayer, accountability, and encouragement. Humility also, when, when you're open to let others know your weaknesses, humility actually helps you receive criticism better. If you're not humble, receiving criticism will make you become defensive very quickly. But humility will affect the way you receive correction. When others do point out those weaknesses and, and, and blemishes. Oh, friends, consider how you are willing to receive correction from others. Uh, humility will listen to criticism without retaliating back or without trying to give back explanations or without trying to cover up for what we have done or what we are. But not only are we open with our weaknesses, humility is op being open with our weaknesses, humility is also open with the weaknesses of others. How is humility open with the weaknesses of others? Humility towards others help you overlook an offense. When others do act in their flesh and sin against you, humility enables you to overlook an offense. Pride, instead, will hold on to grudges. Now, does that mean that you should always overlook an offense and never bring something up? No. Humility affects how you give correction when correction is needed. You can give correction by just trying to put them down, or you can give correction with a spirit of gentleness in order to help another person grow. Had you had to bring up a criticism to someone else, it, it takes courage. It takes energy. And doing it well, it's even more difficult. But nevertheless, when correction is needed, we bring it up, not just to get it off our chest. We bring correction not just to feel justified. We bring it up in a spirit of humility to serve someone else. So that even when we have to be open with the weakness of others, we do so from a posture of a servant, trying to help. Not from a posture of a master, trying to put down and humiliate. Oh, friends, we walk in humility with others by being open both with our weaknesses and being open with their weaknesses. 
a community that grows in humility is a community that is increasingly growing in transparency with one another. And going back to Ephesians chapter 4, there's one phrase that I want to land on of how the Apostle Paul encourages the believers to walk in humility. And this will be the last sort of how to walk in humility. Walk in humility with all humility. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 4 too. With all humility. Not just with some humility. Not just in some circumstances. But with all humility. All the time. If you shoot for partial humility, you miss a target. If you're satisfied with a selective, cherry-picking humility with the people you want to be humbled with, with the people you think it's easy to be humble with, you miss a target. This is not the calling. The calling is show off or walk worthy of your salvation, of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness. Well, friends, consider this calling, this universal calling for a universal humility. Husbands and wives, have you treated each other with all humility? Parents, have you treated your children with all humility, even when you have to discipline them? Children, have you treated your parents with all humility, even when they're asking you to do things you don't want to do? Members of the church, are we treating one another with all humility? Are there members among us uh, that you have a hard time relating to in humility? Is there someone you need to ask God to help you relate to with all humility? The followers of Christ walk with others in humility. And it's in all humility. Humility with others starts with humility before God. And humility before God spills over into humility with others. Friends, we need God and we need each other. To think that we need neither is to be proud. So beloved members of the body of Christ here at Park Hills Baptist Church, let's walk worthy of the calling the Lord has given us by walking with all humility and gentleness. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to you for showing us the path of humility, a path that you yourself have chosen to take by sending Christ to us. He who came as a king and yet he came as a humble king, willing to give his life for the salvation of those who have rebelled against you. That is all of us. Father, we praise you for walking in, in humility for the sake of our salvation. And Father, we praise you that you are calling us to now walk in the path of your salvation by walking in humility. Enable us to do so for the glory of Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.